On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. I'm starting a new series this morning. If you're here for the first time, welcome. I'm Pastor Marty Walker. Uh, Welcome to the sanctuary. I'm starting a new series about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. Uh, I have been praying for all of us this week. And I mean this. I've been praying that you would show up today because I believe believe this series has something for us to, to, to shift us to shift us out of place. Um, this morning, we're again starting this The Kingdom series, and today I'm talking about living questionable lives, right? Where I'm going to dig into that. We, we need to be living questionable lives. Uh, I, I need a questionable, I, I, need some, I need some questionable decisions to be made. Uh, I, I need to be making those decisions. You need to be making those decisions. We're going to dig into that this morning. My desire uh, in this series is going to be three-pronged. Okay, so I'm wanting to inspire us, I'm wanting to encourage us, and I'm wanting to challenge us. So, so, and, and can I say this? When I say us, I mean us. I, I want you to know, please hear me, uh, as a, a, I've been in ministry a long time, but I'll tell you what, one of the things that I do whenever I do my sermons, whenever I write them out, I work overtime, listen to me now, I work overtime to take the word you out of all of my sermons. I, I, for me, for me, I got tired of hearing you, 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 you. I'm like, man, if I could only be like them. And, and this thing got started inside of me, uh, us and them. We're the losers. Look how holy they are. And it just, it caught me and I realized, and, and I'm here going, as a pastor, I'm like, I got so many problems. And I started saying we, and I thought, well, that's what this is. We, us. We need to embrace more of this. Our lives need to change. And so I, I want you to know that I'm saying that I want to challenge us, I want to encourage us, I want to inspire us because I need this too. A lot of these sermons that you'll hear me bring here, these teachings, these times that I share, are done in a mirror. I'm like, Walker, you better get it together, right? Come on now, you can do this. Jesus can move through you. So uh, listen, if, you have, if you've missed anything in the past, I want to encourage you, you can, go, uh, you can go on to get our podcast anywhere you want, as a Sanctuary SCV, you can get that, uh, the podcast. If you'd rather watch it, you go on YouTube, Sanctuary SCV. If you want it all, it's in the app. I, I can't encourage you enough, get the app. It's easy. When you got the app, and I know you have a bunch of apps on your phone that you don't use. This one you could actually use. Um, it's got it all there. So the teaching, the notes, all that other stuff, it's there for you. Okay, so here, let me start this. I was raised right here in Southern California. Um, I have not lived more than 25 miles from the place I was born. I was born in Van Nuys Hospital down in the valley. No longer exists. But uh, I was born and raised in the valley. And and so I'll I'll let you know that that part of my culture was tagging. It It was part of the culture I was raised in. I never understood it. You know, I walk into a bathroom and somebody scratched their name on a toilet seat. I'm like, so classy. Right? I'm like, that, that's where you want to put your name, where some, I won't even go, okay. And I'm like, this is like not the place to put your name, right? But this is the, the culture I was raised in. I was also raised in, in a culture of graffiti, which is very different. Graffiti is just something, there's something always, I, it always stood out to me. I'm like, 
Who did that? And how did they have the time to do that? Here's some graffiti. Ah, oh, this isn't tagging. There's just some beauty that I go, who, who does this? And, and how did they get that high? You know the ones where they're painting on the freeway overpass. You're like, wow. And I, I, it's just for me. I look at these things and I'm like, how did they have the time to do this? And look how precise it is. It's like it had to be sitting there for a while. I mean, it can't be done. Around. What are they thinking? When, look at this. I'm like, what's going through their mind when these things are going on? This is what I think of when I think of living a questionable life. I'm like, what's that about? What are you doing? What, What is so important about whatever that message is, whether it be your name or something else? What is it that's going on? See, I grew up with this understanding uh, in the church that God's people are a peculiar people. Anybody ever heard that before? God's people are a peculiar people. And, that, and, and here's what it meant to me, that God's people are sometimes strange, odd, and weird. Right? And, and I was raised in a, an atmosphere where I was like, strange, odd, weird. Right? I, th- this was my, my thing, okay? So, and I thought, you know, where, where does that come from? So I want to bring this up to you. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9, in the King James is where it comes from. It says this, but ye, because you got to say this in the King Jamesy, right? But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and an holy nation, a, there it is, peculiar people, that ye should shew, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, the English don't even know how to spell. Okay, I'm kidding. All right, this, so this is King James English. This is King James, and this is where this came from, this, this peculiar thing. And see, when the King James was translated back, way back, right, peculiar actually referred to something belonging to someone. Peculiar referred to belong, it, it is, uh, that is my peculiar thing. So it was someone's property. Here's the definition of peculiar. It, it's, still, it's still strange, odd, unusual, right? But look at this last one. Belonging exclusively to. That's where it comes from, right? It, that's where this concept of God's people are a peculiar people. That's what the word actually meant when it was originally written by Peter. He's saying, oh, we belong to God. And so the word he used would be translated out peculiar, but, but it's not what it means to us today. It's not what it meant to me as a kid. I said strange, odd, and weird. But it really didn't mean that. So watch this. You got your Bibles? Come with me, would you please? Come on over here. First Peter chapter 2. I'm going to go right back to where we started. First Peter chapter 2 in verse 9, because that's what Peter's trying to get to. Not that Christians are odd or unusual, even though the world often sees us that way and sometimes, unfortunately, for very good reason. Like, that person is weird, right? Peter is saying that the followers of Jesus are those who belong to God. We are God's own special people. And this is one of the reasons that I love the New Living Translation, for me, because it's a shortcut to what they were actually trying to say. I could read the King James and I'd have to go in and find another translation and find some other helpers to get me to this. But check out what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. Here it is. I love it. It's just straightforward. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. Watch this. 
You are royal priests, a holy nation. Here it is, the peculiar. God's very own possession. That's the peculiar part. That's that word that Peter did use. He was trying to get this point across. We belong to him. God's very own possession. And as a result, we get to show others the goodness of God. He's called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. See, those who are born again are different. Those who are born again are different from the world around us because we are being transformed. We're being transformed by the presence of the Holy Spirit living not just in us. Here it is. Always got to include this. Not just in us, but through us. I don't want Jesus living in me. I want Jesus living through me. I don't want the Holy Spirit in me. I want the Holy Spirit through me. I don't want, watch this, I don't want the finances in me. I want the finances through me. He, that's what he, he has stated it all over the place. I'm trying to use you to reach them. It's always through. And we're also different because having been born again by the Spirit of God and believing in Jesus for salvation, right, we've received the right, it's a great study. I'll, I'll dig in just one word, quios, it's a Greek word. It, it's called the adopted children of God. We, we belong, watch this, we've been chosen to belong. It's fantastic. That one I want. I, I, I want that one to be my possession. We become children of God, and, and while it's true, believers are different, it's our standing it's our standing as the children of God, the adopted children of God, the joint heirs with Jesus, as God's own special people that make us peculiar. Coming back to the odd, strange, weird. You, you're odd. Who do you belong to? See, there's something that happens there. It's in both. We, we see this word peculiar. We can take it apart and go, oh, it does mean peculiar and Peculiar. I go, yeah, yeah. You can fill this in. You got your app open this morning. Watch this. Our work. We got work to do. Our work in the kingdom of God is to continue. Here it is. Growing up, growing with, and growing out. Up, with, out in our faith. Beloved, you've heard me say it before. Too many of us are bored again, Christians. Our work is to grow up, is to grow with, and to grow out in our faith. I thought it was to go to church on Sundays. Look, I even brought my Bible. To grow up, to grow with, and to grow out. See, the goal of this series is to reinforce this identity. That I belong to him. And I live as loved outside of this room. I go out wherever I'm out. I'm like, wait a minute, that makes a big difference. See, I'm wanting to grow up. I want to grow up in a clearer connection with our Father. That's who Jesus said we get to pray to. I want to grow up in a connection with our Father. I want to embrace the grace. I want to accept the acceptance. I've accepted you. Yeah, well, I haven't accepted me yet. No, no, that self-loathing, it's got to stop. I want to grow up in a deeper connection with Jesus. I want to follow his lead on what it means to live as loved. Jesus did some crazy stuff. I watched the, the, 
the good news books. There's four of them, right? And I go, what in the world? How did he just go do that? Because he didn't care. He was loved. And I'm going to go in. And I'm going to talk to people I shouldn't be talking to. I'm going to eat with people I shouldn't be eating with. There were all kinds of rules on him that said, you can't, you can't, you can't, you should not. And he goes, why not? I'm loved. And I'm going to go do these things because this is how to change the world. I also want to grow up in a stronger connection with the Holy Spirit. I want to learn and discern. How do you walk out this life? I'm telling you, I'm getting thrown these curveballs every day. I'm like, how'd they do that? How'd they pitch that? They put their fingers like that. And and I kept swinging it. I swung at it three or four times before it even got to the plate. I want to learn how to walk out this life. Next, I said we got to grow up. Next, we got to grow with. And that's the hard part. We got to grow with one another. I know, but he is weird. I, I, I am the weird uncle in the body of Christ. I get it. I, I understand it. But we are family. We're family. We're going to spend eternity together. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just this faith community. Not just the people who are in this room who gather here. I'm talking about the faith community. Not our faith community. The faith community. Not just the church, but the church. I'm going to spend eternity with that congregation and that congregation and that congregation. And you may go, I just don't like, I've been to that church. I visited that church. I didn't. Too bad. They're your family. We're going to spend eternity together. They're all going to be surprised to see me that day. Him too? Yeah. Then, growing up, growing with, then and only then are we going to be able to grow out in our faith. Grow out into our neighborhoods. Grow out into our valley. Grow out all over Southern California with love which is our identity as God's chosen people, as the ones he goes, my very own possession, these that I hold close to me. And and I've shared this before, and and again, I I know that people find me to be peculiar when I do, but I truly believe that this is just my own imagination, but I truly believe that when I wake up, God is sitting at my bedside going, he's about... He opened his eyes. Hello, good morning. I believe he's waiting for me to wake up. He's waiting to spend the day with me. I don't know about the rest of you, but with me, he goes, oh, we're going to have today today. We have today all day together, just you and me. It's something in my brain that I am loved like that. I've been chosen like that. And it has me making very odd decisions, I know. And I'm not talking, so you hear this, please. I'm not talking about marketing the sanctuary. We have to grow out with our faith and tell everybody about what's going on at the sanctuary. I'm not talking about marketing the sanctuary. This isn't about the people who are gathered in this building. That is not what I'm talking about. It involves us, but it's not about us. It's not about our congregation or any congregation for that matter. It's about being the church, a a people, a peculiar people, because, again, we are God's very own special possession. You have one of those in your house, don't you? You keep it up where nobody can touch it because that's my special possession. That was given to me by 
Fill in the blank. Well, I don't know how you got it, but you have something at home that is a special possession. Your kids know. Don't touch that. It has a special place in the house. Your spouse knows that. Friends who come over know that. Hey, what's that? Don't touch it. I, I don't know what that is. But that's me in the house of God. Oh, this is Marty. <laughs> oh, he makes a mess. That's it. Mm. I, I'm his special possession. And so what does all this mean? It means that we're living in our neighborhoods and in our valley, at our jobs, in our schools. It means that wherever we are, we are, listen to me now because I want you to embrace this one. We are missionaries. All day or day. We are missionaries. I showed up and people went, Wow, he's dressed funny. I show up and they say, huh, he talks funny. Huh, he's got different attitudes about stuff. Huh. See, when a missionary shows up, the villagers all back up and go, huh. In some cases, their skin is so white. In some cases, watch this, their skin is so dark. I've been there. I watched people be completely fascinated by a black, black, black man when they were brown. They had never seen such dark skin. Like their skin was dark, but this was black. They'd never seen that. They're up in the hills. They'd never seen him. A black, black man. So listen, beloved and and I want you to hear it, it's that when we walk into a room, we have different traditions. They go, huh. They all sit around their table and they use these little silver things to eat their food. They don't eat with their hands. See, we have different traditions. That's what it means to be a missionary. By the way, in your app this morning, I want to encourage you, answer the question, please. What's a missionary? What does that word mean to you? Because we all have different pictures in our mind. Some go to colonialization, you know, stop. Just, we've lived that sad story. Just what is a missionary? We are living spirit-led lifestyles. We are generous. We are hospitable. We are welcoming. We are compassionate. We are like Jesus. He walks into a room and they go, he dresses funny. He walks into, he walks into a crowd and they go, he doesn't have a home. He has nowhere to lay his head. These are words of Jesus. I've, I've teased, but Jesus was the ultimate mooch. He borrows the donkey. He, he borrow the upper room for me, would you please? We're going to borrow a grave because I'm not going to stay in it very long. He borrowed everything. He owned nothing. That, my friends, in this world today, 2023, that would be really weird. You own nothing? Nothing. I'll get there in a little bit. At Christmas time, we sing songs like this. We sing, Emmanuel, God with us. Imagine you walk into Trader Joe's and they go, oh, Emmanuel, God with us. You walk out of Costco and they go, Emmanuel, God with us. Do people encounter God when they encounter us? That's what Jesus said. When you see me, you've seen the Father. 
How you see me interact, what you hear me say, how you see me treat people, this is the way the Father does it. So when you've seen me, you've seen him. You want a window to heaven? Check it out. Guess what our job is? To be Jesus. Another window to heaven. Our job is to be a picture of God's gracious relationship with us. Several weeks ago, I I mentioned how I can swim, but I said Michael Phelps is a swimmer. I can swim. I can swim well, but Michael Phelps is a swimmer. The idea I was trying to connect is the difference between evangelism and an evangelist. There are are evangelists. That's someone who, who really gets it, right? All believers are to be evangelistic. I believe that, but that doesn't make us evangelists. We're to be evangelistic. I'll get into it here in a little bit. Come with me to Colossians, please. Come on over here. Bible bookshelf for you. Colossians, go find it. It's in there. I promise. God eats popcorn. Colossians, constantly, right? Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 2. This is a guy named Paul. He's talking to a church in, in Asia Minor. It's called Colossae, right? Colossae. And he's talking to the Colossians, the church in Colossae, right? And he says this, chapter 4, verse 2, he says this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Hey, by the way, pray for us too. Watch this. That God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely, check this out, among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have a right response for everyone. This is an evangelist. And you can hear it in the way he writes. That's, that's the way he's writing. Paul is asking for prayer. Hey, you guys, I need some open doors. I need the courage to share the good news about Jesus. He is asking the Colossian church, he's saying, hey, would you pray for my ministry as an evangelist? Being evangelistic as a character trait is essential for all believers. It's essential for the church of Jesus. But it isn't the gifting of every believer. Come back with me, 1 Peter. We're all still way in the back over here, okay? 1 Peter, just to the right, past Hebrews, okay? Hebrew and James. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Peter's now bringing it up. Instead, you guys, we need to, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Instead... We need to worship Christ our Lord as our life. Listen to this. Worship Christ as Lord of our life. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, here's what he says. If someone asks you about your Christian hope, you ready? Always be ready to explain it. But do it in a gentle and respectful manner. It's been said, and I, I, I would actually repeat it. I don't know that anybody came to the kingdom of God because they lost the argument. Loser, now you're going to come to heaven? In a gentle and respectful manner. See, the church needs to identify and equip and release gifted evangelists like Peter, like Paul. But those are few. 
They're, they're here and there, but there, there's not a lot of them. I, I want to dig into this word just for a moment because I want us to grab the fullness of it. It's called evangel. Evangel comes, comes from a Greek word, evangelion, okay, evangelion, okay, and they bring that in from the Greek, and they bring it into the old King James, remember we were reading from King James this morning, and they use the word gospel. That's the old King James for it. In modern English, it would be called good news. That's why I refer to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as the good news books, because I'm just speaking modern English. If I was going to speak King James, I'd say, open to the gospel of Mark. It's okay, listen, it's okay. You like gospel, use gospel. I, I just want, I want to go, because some people don't know what the gospel is. In fact, I would say some people think the gospel, the gospel, hallelujah. They, they, they hear gospel and they go, <laughs> I think some people are intimidated by that word, by their experiences. But this word, evangel, it is the good news evangelism, or gospeling, or good newsing. Am I good newsing wherever I go? Am I gospeling? Am I an evangelist? Am I a gospeler? Am I a good newser? See, that, this is the question I want us to get into. We hear this word evangelism, we go, <gasps> Oh, no, it just means this. It just means being evangelistic, right? Gospelizing, good newsish, wherever we go. That's what it's asking. Do I have good news? I, th I think we do. What Peter's been talking about, what Paul, and in these verses, right, is how Jesus' followers, listen to me, are to be, here it comes, living questionable lives. We are to be living questionable lives because that's when the opportunity to share the good news starts to happen. When people start to question us and go, so um, let me get this, right? How is it that you deal with suffering? I heard that you were sick last week. I don't get it. You were in the hospital. What, you see? Fill this in. The key is we've got to learn how to talk about Jesus conversationally. We've got to learn how to talk about Jesus conversationally. It's got to happen naturally. It can't just happen in a, oh, praise, you know, praise you, drive you, quoting your pastor. I, I don't, I, I just think we need to talk about Jesus conversationally. We need to know how to answer the question, wow. You heard about the stock market. We were just having this conversation last week. You and I were talking over lunch. We were talking about the stock market. You were talking about how your stocks are doing good, and it just crashed. Uh, you know, it just had this crash, and you're okay. How, how come you're okay? You know what they're asking? Be good newsish for me. Can you, can you please gospelize right now? That's what they're asking. How come you're so calm when the economic collapse? It's not affecting you. I, I don't understand. Hey, so the world is in political upheaval and you're, what's happening here? That's I, I, a moment to be gospeling, good newsing. Oh, the reason I'm not in upheaval over the economics or the political racial upheaval in the world is because I'm not 
I don't live for this. And, and this, is how, this is how it gets really odd. Well, because I don't live for this world. I'm in exile in this world. I'm only here just passing through. I am eating. Stop! Just go, watch this. Well, my hope isn't on this getting any better. Wait, what? Yeah, I, I believe something better is coming, but it's not here. It'll never happen through politics. What are you talking about? Do you see what's happening? Questionable, questionable. I'm talking questionable. I'm talking questionably. What do, you, what do you mean you don't have hope in this life? What does that even mean? I'm living for something else. Like what? I'm living for the weekend. Right? See, Nate, we start getting questions. Here's the big one. It's happening right now. So, so you're, you're starving yourself for God? This Lent thing, you gave up chocolate or wine or whatever, you know, Fill me in on that one. What's that about? I saw, I saw a post on your social media. What's that about? You, what's this Lent thing? I know Lent is like in the bottom of my pockets when I get them out of the dryer. It's like, right? No, no, not Lent. Lent. Oh, what's that? See, questionable lives. Are we living questionable lives? We hear stories of gifted evangelists. We hear, them, we hear them talk about sharing the good news. And then we're told, go do the same. And we're like, no way. We hear an evangelist, how they're, oh, I shared the gospel on the back of a napkin in, the, in a restaurant. And we were on a plane and I grabbed one. I asked the waitress, I asked the stewardess, can you give me another napkin? I shared the gospel of Jesus right there on the airplane. And, and then you're told, go do the same. You're like, ah. Ice just went right through your veins. There will be no blood donation next week. It's just totally ice. I freaked out. You want me to talk to somebody on an airplane about Jesus? <sighs> imagine, though, imagine if a handful of believers just shared and talked in simple ways about how Jesus changed their lives. Just imagine for a moment. Imagine what would happen if just ordinary believers lived extraordinary lives. Imagine simple people infiltrating every part of society. Imagine them working and living with an identity of belonging. Imagine the world watching their very unlikely lifestyle and becoming curious about the Christian message. We don't have to imagine. Questionable followers living questionable lives. We can read all about it. It's right here. That's what happened. Simple people talking about how a man came into their life and changed my life forever. Simple, in this particular case, fishermen. In this particular case, homemakers. Just simple people, straightforward people. Ordinary believers devoted themselves to sacrificial acts of kindness, loving their enemies, forgiving people who persecuted them. We do remember, it's coming up. We have started resurrection season. That's what we're celebrating. I'm so excited, right? But one of the things we're, we're remembering, here it comes, on the cross, the Bible says nails hanging him there so he can't get down, and he has these words, forgive them. What? I, 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 I'm like, what are you talking about? Here's Peter. 
Here's John in chains, in the dungeon, locked up. And what are they doing? Hallelujah, ching-a-ling-ling, hallelujah, right? They got chains. What are you guys praising God for? Because we're being tortured for Jesus, just like Jesus was tortured. Because you do know that in order to participate in his glory, we must also participate in his suffering. So we recognize, wow, look at the honor we got. We're chained up in a dungeon. It's musky and wet. We'll probably get pneumonia for Jesus. So I can't think of anything better to do than start praising God. Wait, what? That, my friends, is questionable living. Why are those guys singing praise songs? I don't get it. I'm in a dungeon, you're in a dungeon. You, you see, and you watch their lives. Christians opened up their fellowship gatherings. <gasps> Listen, Christians, you watch what they do. Anybody, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of, of social status, they said, hey, even between the sexes, men and women, right? In the, in the day, men sat on that side, women sat on that side. In this day, they said, let's all come together around the table. Oh, say it isn't so. Mm -hmm, that's what they did. They allowed families that were broken. Jesus tells a story, it hangs on the back wall. Even when someone goes and blows all the family money, you welcome them back in. No. And the Romans, the Romans were watching all this. And you can fill this one in. Christians were literally the most surprising alternative society anybody had ever seen. And the Romans are like, so these Christians, like, they're taking in babies that aren't even their own. I don't get it. Like, that's what you do when, when you don't want the baby, you throw it out. Literally, with the bathwater. You get rid of it. And the Christians are going picking up those babies and taking them to their homes. Who are these people? They're so poor, they don't even have enough money to feed themselves. And then they're taking care of these lost babies. Oh, the Christians, they're feeding homeless people. I don't get it. The Christians are going by their leader, touching lepers. The disease that can be spread real easily. I don't get it. And the Romans are going, what is this? Listen to this. Questionable living. What is this alternative lifestyle, these people here? Look how odd they are. They talk to anybody at any time about anything. They made themselves open to all of these things. And their conduct, I believe there was an insatiable, uh, uh, unable to quench the thirst, <laughs> an, an insatiable curiosity, and they questioned everything. We watched Jesus' question, I'll get into it later in another part of the series, but Jesus questions over and over and over and over and over. You should watch how many times Jesus is questioned because of how he lives his life. It's amazing, and I want to live a questionable life. I truly believe we've got to find some way, somehow, to get back to questionable living. And I think this is what Paul was referring to when he said, I need you to make the good news attractive. Those are Paul's words. Paul used, I need you to make the good news attractive. He uses this phrase when he's talking to Titus. Come on, we're still way back here. Titus, Timothy, after the Timothys, right? Titus, book of Titus, Bible bookshelf, chapter two. Way in the back, we're all in, kind of in the same area here. Chapter 2, watch this. I'm just, I'm just going to read this to you. Titus, again, one of Paul's disciples, leading a church here, starting in verse 1. As for you, Titus, 
I want you to, watch this, I want you to promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect and live wisely. They need to have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, you need to teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They need to not be slandering others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they need to teach others what is good. These older women need to train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, we need to encourage the young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. We're not done. You want to talk about questionable living? That wasn't enough. Watch this. Slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk behind their back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Those of you who work for someone else, you are a slave. This is your instruction to your boss, to your overseer, to your supervisor, to whoever is in charge of you. Listen to what it says. Hey, worker. Hey, employee. Always obey your supervisor, manager, whatever. Do your best to please them. They must, you cannot talk behind their back or steal paper clips or pens from work. Show yourselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then you'll make the teaching about God our Savior, here it is, attractive in every way. You, watch, watch, you live like this you'll make the good news attractive. Who does that? No, I gotta tell you, honestly, nothing would be more questionable in the first century than a slave who loved their master. What? But you're a slave. Think, think of the questions you would have for any young man who chooses to walk in self-control. Huh? Take that today. 2023, here we are. A young man who walks in total self-control. I want to I have a full-blown inquiry of an old woman who doesn't engage in gossip. That's what Paul is saying here. That's what he says. You live like this, that's questionable living. And, and I got questions. Now, these were, in Paul's time, a recipe for questionable life. Our challenge is to live a questionable life right here and right now in 2023. What does it look like here in America, in the Santa Clarita Valley, to live a questionable life? Your neighborhood, your street, where we are, uh, in, next at my park, what does a questionable life look like? In my grocery store, at my gas station, what does it mean to live a questionable life? Here's last filling for you. When predictability is high, impact is low. Let me unpack this. I want to keep this up here for you. When predictability is high, impact is low. I am the last person you want to watch a mystery show with. 
Again, pray for my bride. I, I'm so sorry. I, I'm Sherlock Holmes. I'm like, oh, you know what happened here? This is what happened. This guy did this. I'm, kind of, I'm watching a show the other night, and this girl comes in, and she accuses this guy of doing something. I go, no, here's what happened. She's this, and this is what happened over there. And, she, and my wife's like, stop. And like 10 minutes later, I'm like, told you. Terrible person. I want to be a detective. When predictability is high, impact is low. Eh. You know what kind of movies I love? The ones that twist. Whoa, I did not see that coming. Wait, that guy, no, it can't be him because he was over here. Wait, that's not possible because... You know what that's called? Questionable. I did not see that coming. You just bought that person a full tank of gas? Did you know gas is $7 a gallon? Wait, you just bought that person's groceries? What is wrong? Do you know the price of eggs? And there is no toilet paper. You gave them the toilet paper. See, that's questionable living. What does it look like to be living a questionable life in 2023 in Santa Clarita? I got what Paul says right here. He says, this is what it looks like. We have to find our way back, beloved. We have to find our way back to living godly intriguing, socially adventurous, being a joyous presence in the Santa Clarita Valley. And people go, did you not read the news this morning? Why are you so happy? Did you not know what just happened? We must develop a new set of rhythms, habits, that foster a missionary lifestyle that intrigues others. So I'm asking, What are we doing to live questionable lives as God's peculiar people? The answer to that question is what we're going to be exploring for the rest of this series. So I hope you'll join me.